Production funding for Ruckus has been provided by gifts from Dave and Jamie Cummings, the Fred and Lou Hartwig family, Peter and Barbara Gattermeyer, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize, and Bank of America N.A. co-trustees. And by viewers like you. Thank you. Welcome to Ruckus, our weekly food for thought fight over the news of the day and the trends of the times. I'm Mike Shannon. The Ruckheads join me shortly. Our topics this week, the mayor wants justice. Kansas Republicans want some clarity on school finance. And a growing number of folks seem to want socialism. Plus, of course, roast and toast. But we start with our Newsmaker segment and take a look at tourism and convention activity in the greater Kansas City area as we approach National Travel and Tourism Week in early May. Joining me for that discussion now is the president and CEO of Visit KC, Jason Fulvey. Mr. Fulvey, welcome to Ruckus. Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you, Mike. Uh, you joined Visit KC in, I think, September of last year. Uh, you had spent 16 years in Pittsburgh in a similar job. You must have seen some things in Kansas City that you thought were attractive. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was here about 13 years ago on business, and when I left, really didn't think that I'd ever be back to Kansas City. Because it was moving along so well, or it didn't have any hope? No, it really didn't have a whole lot, <laughs> uh, lot going on. Um, and I was, uh, you know, being in Pittsburgh uh, 13 years ago, there wasn't a whole lot going on there either. Um, but uh, when they called me for the interview, I told my wife that, you know, I've been here, I'm going to go listen to these folks, but I'll be back tomorrow, no worries. And uh, I got done with the first round of interviews, called my wife and said, uh, you know, they, they want me to come back, and I think you need to come and check this thing out. There's a lot going on here. So it was very exciting to see the transitions that Kansas City has gone through. Uh, talk a bit about Visit KC and what it is and, and what its job is. It used to be called, I think, the Convention and Visitors Bureau. You try to attract people to come to Kansas City for tourism purposes and to stage their conventions here. That's yeah. correct, yeah. So Visit KC, when you break it down to the bare bones, it's a sales marketing agency. Mm -hmm. So it's our job to market this destination and this region for visitors, whether that be uh, leisure travelers or conventioneers. And uh, we kind of pull all the pieces together. I kind of liking it to a real estate agent, right? Uh, we don't own any of the assets. Um, but we're charged with marketing and selling those assets uh, to prospective customers. And our job is to bring the customers and the assets together to, uh, to close the deal. And the KC and Visit KC doesn't just mean Kansas City, Missouri. It means the entire KC metro area? Yeah, you know, technically we're, we're charged with uh, filling hotel rooms in uh, Kansas City, Kansas City, Missouri. Um, but when you take a look at travelers and the way that they travel, they don't see the state line right. road boundary or the river boundary. Uh, they really want to come to the region. So we intrinsically have to promote the entire region. How is the Visit KC organization funded? Yeah, a large portion of our uh, revenue stream comes from a portion of the hotel tax. Okay. So as we, uh, it's, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, yeah. right? The more hotel rooms we fill, uh, the more revenues that come in through that channel, and then we get a portion of that. Uh, for a long time, there's been discussion about the need for a major convention hotel in downtown Kansas City. One is apparently on the way, will be built next year or two. Right. Uh, how important is that going to be? Oh, it's critical. Um, you know, because that hotel, unlike some of the others that have been built, is really a demand driver. 
we have a lot of groups, convention groups, that have looked at Kansas City in the past, and we didn't have that, that tight hotel package around the convention center. And now with this new product, we certainly will. And, and that might have kept Kansas City from getting the uh, Republican convention in oh, it, 2016. I'm, I'm sure it came into play. How about the new airport? Is that going to be critical? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's uh, the hotel or the, the hotel, the airport uh, and its, its current status is an, a very nice airport. But we need to change with the times. Um, air travel has changed. Uh, security issues have changed. And we've actually have documented groups that have said that when you get a new airport, we'll take a closer look Let at it. Let me ask you about Travel and Tourism Week coming up in early May. That's been around since 1983 in the days of Ronald, Ronald Reagan. Reagan. Yeah. Uh, the theme this year is Travel Matters. Briefly, why does it matter so much to Kansas City? Well, I, and I think it not only matters to Kansas City, but as a, a nation, as a, a, as a whole, it gives us an opportunity to really put a spotlight on travel and hospitality and tourism and the impact that it has on our economy. Uh, you know, when we look at how many people we had come through the gates in Kansas City in 2016, uh, it was 20, over 25 million visitors into Kansas City in 2016. That was $5.5 billion in economic impact. That's direct economic impact, not calculating a halo effect where you have the other ancillary services that are attached to travel and tourism. Got to stop you there. Thanks yeah. very much for coming in. Pleasure to meet you. Thank you. Come back and see us. Absolutely. That is Jason Fulvey. He is president and CEO of Visit KC. Now let's meet the panel and start a ruckus. Attorney Patrick McInerney is with the firm of Spencer Fain. Denidri Herbert reports for the Sentinel website. Mary O'Halloran is a media and communications consultant. And Ron Freeman is a motivational speaker and writer. Welcome to all of you. Thanks very much for coming in. There's a lot to cover. Kansas City Mayor Sly James is calling for justice. Jolie Justice to succeed him at City Hall. Justice is a member of the City Council, an attorney, and a former member of the Missouri Senate. If elected, she would not be the first woman mayor of Kansas City. Kay Barnes got that honor. And by the way, Barnes has also endorsed justice. There are 10 others in the primary race for mayor on April the 2nd. Two of them will be nominated and face off in a June election. Now, there has been little doubt that Sly James would back Jolie Justice. So what impact do you think the mayor's endorsement will have? And we start with Patrick. Well, with 11 folks in the field, it may have enough impact to matter because, you know, really this is going to be a race on the margins and it's going to be a race about getting your people out and getting them to vote because with 11 folks in the race, what, 12, 13 percent uh, clears the bar and sends you on your way to June. So it's and I think that's why we're seeing such a parochial race right now. We're seeing, you know, the leading candidates and actually every candidate run to their base hard knowing that there's not a high bar to clear to make the general. You saw that Kansas City Star poll, I think, where the leading candidate is named undecided. 44%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so that, I mean, and that kind of underscores what, uh, what they have to deal with, and that underscores the ground game and its importance on April 2nd. Denidri, that poll was taken before Sly James endorsed Julie Justice. Do you think that will make any difference to her percentage? I suspect since everybody is running to their base that Julie Justice, her, her base was already Sly James's base. They already know it's probably very, very marginal number of people this election. I think Sly James, 
uh, when he was last elected, only 21% of the population of voters actually went to the polls, so it will matter a little bit because there's not going to be that many people voting. Uh, but I think those people were probably already with her to begin Mary, with. Mary, do you think the turnout in the primary will be dismal in terms of numbers? Well, yes, if you look at it like we do, former teachers of good government. Uh, of course, it's, it's outrageous that we have such low turnout. But given Kansas City's past, I, you know, I love the race for mayor. I've been involved one way or other with every, a mayor's race since I came to town in the 1978. So I love this race. I mean, I think people do get very involved in it. And it's, I think it's because there's so many council people and they're all sort of, they're sort of even. Jolie Justice, when people think about her and Sly James, they're going to think about the successes they have. She, he asked her to take on the big job, to take that airport proposal and make it happen, working with him, the city manager, and everybody else she had to work with. And by gosh, at the end, 75% of the voters said, good, good job, let's move forward. Ron, let's I think that will matter to people. Ron, let's assume for the sake of discussion, we don't know, but let's right. assume Julie Justice is one of the two people nominated at the primary in April. She represents the city council and someone who has been in government for a long time. Do you think the other candidate will be someone from the private sector, maybe this Steve Miller, who's an attorney? No, I think it's going to be important. Whoever can mount the best grassroots campaign, I'm probably looking at Quentin Lucas or Jermaine Reed would be one of those two guys. Depending, again, it's if you can get the turn out the vote's going to be the key, and if you can do that uh, from the air or on through media, yeah, that could work. But, the but if, grassroots you, if you look at the numbers, the though, <clears throat> I mean, they're and again, this is pre-endorsement, but. Boy, they're packed tight. I mean, Jolie had right. 13, I mean, and then you had, eight, you had nine, nine, eight, eight and seven. seven. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You had exactly. Steve, Steve Miller. Alicia Kennedy is right in the mix, too. Yeah, yeah. Steve Miller that. with nine. Alicia, Alicia, she corrected me. me one time. Okay. Alicia <laughs> Kennedy had eight, and Jermaine Reed had seven. Then you've got Taylor with five, Lucas with four, Wagner four. Clay Chastain has 2%. Phil Glenn, 1%. Henry Klein, one percent, and could be Klezier. Vincent Lee, I think the voters have to be pretty bored with this race. I mean, I, I don't live in Kansas City proper, but I'm I'm bored with it. They all seem a, very similar to me. That that leads me to a point I want to ask you about primarily because you don't live in Kansas City, Missouri. It, it appears that it's difficult to get Kansas City Missourians interested in this race yeah. for mayor. Do people elsewhere in the metro area care about who the mayor of Kansas City is, and should they? Movers and shit. People like the folks sitting at this table care. Uh, the rank and file, I don't think they could pick any of these, most of these people out of a lineup. They actually may be able to pick Clay Chastain out of a lineup <laughs> simply because he's been around and he's a little bit of a character. He's, but the rest of them, I'm not sure they could pick him out of the lineup. And other than the people who do eco-devo and transportation and kind of government affairs types, I don't think they care. And it's getting a little harder no, to care anyway. But don't, the sure question's a great one. Why James, though, has really... I mean, people in the metro know who Sly James is, um, and they associate him with the streetcar. Right. And he's a big mayor, though. A I mean, big, he is a for a for a weak mayor form of government. He's a big, strong mayor. Yeah, well, and it, but he's done it, you a great know, job. we have this kind of government in Kansas City where the person who's the mayor really. It's not a it's not strong mayor, but it's not weak mayor either. It's mayor, council, manager, and they have to be really get along with each other. But I think people in Johnson <coughs> County care who's running the show. I'm over gonna here. disagree with you a tiny bit in that um, Sly James being a big mayor and everybody knowing of him, 
I'm not so sure that's true, and obviously I don't run in liberal circles. But um, in the circles no, that I run in, liberals don't run in circles. It's a nonpartisan no, race. It is. It is. But I will say I was more familiar with Mark Funkhauser than I than I am with Sly James. Even though I would say I'm more involved now, Mark Funkhauser, I remember him crossing the line quite a bit and coming mm -hmm. to talk to more conservative, the only, libertarian The only disaster groups. we've had as a mayor forever. It was a I was more familiar with him than it, I am of Sly it, James. It, it's a nonpartisan race with all Democrats. With all Democrats, yeah. right. By the way, Friday evening, it's Friday evening, Friday evening at 7.30 here on KCPT, we'll telecast the mayoral debate that was held at the uh, Kansas City Library System. The title of it is Who Will Lead? That is Friday at 7.30 on KCPT. It should be fascinating. Watch for Clay Chastain's appearance. Oh, please. Which I, I guess he didn't get to appear because he didn't meet the uh, standards for appearance. The omnipresent issue of school finance continues to dominate the Kansas State Legislature's activity, or lack thereof. The GOP-controlled Senate approved what the state Supreme Court said must be done to pass constitutional muster, enhance the finance package with $90 million more annually to cover inflation. It appeared the school district plaintiffs in the case, now called Schools for Fair Funding, also accepted the inflation package, and the case seemed to be finally resolved. So the state Senate passed that measure, and then... Schools for Fair Funding said they actually would need more money to cover inflation. Now it's back to the House where they're crafting yet another school finance bill, one the plaintiffs surely will not like. Do you see any likelihood this issue is headed for imminent resolution to Needry? Quick answer, no. I also want to correct you on something. It's unfair to call this a do-nothing legislature. I think those criticisms are unwarranted. But that's a different topic for another day. This isn't <laughs> going to resolve the problem. Uh, Senate, uh, the Senate Bill 142 gives $90 million. The plaintiffs, everybody was on board. Everybody was on board moving in the same direction with this $90 million. Um, and then all of a sudden, Schools for Fair Funding said, nope, that's not enough. Um, they said there's a calculation error in the... Um, it, numbers for inflation and the the real problem is it's never going to be enough I don't care what number they throw up they are going to come back and ask for more there's never <laughs> going to be enough money thrown at schools for fair funding to appease them well, Their lawyers it, are getting very rich is, is the reason schools for fair funding changed its mind because the Senate bill only provided for inflation costs for two years and not for four no what was I asking you? No, I go thought. ahead, go ahead. Well, it's not. <laughs> Somebody yeah, answered. I mean, it's a technical thing. It's not exactly correct, but generally speaking, that's right. What, what's happened here is that everybody was on board, as Denise said, but they actually did authentically. This isn't some last-minute ditch to get something they don't deserve. It's how you calculate the inflation, uh, the, the, the demands of the court, that the legislature take care Here's of the inflation the factor. The governor came up with $90 million. Everybody's on board, but it's, should Here's it be added every year the Here's same the way? Yeah, I thought the, that's the, what I said. It was agreed to for two years and, and not and, and for four. And Senator Denning, I specifically remember being there when he said to them, look, this calculation looks wrong. It looks like maybe we, mm -hmm. are you going to be okay with this? Their lobbyists said yes. Some of those superintendents said yes, and then all of a sudden they changed their minds. Yeah. Well, it's four hundred fifty billion versus about nine hundred million dollars. I don't know how anybody's going to live on that amount. Double it, and it's like, are you going to tell me about this inflation? Where, where does that come from? You're talking almost a twenty-five percent, excuse me, of the budget 
in, the, in what they're asking for, what the plaintiff is asking for at this point. It's like, where are we coming from? Well, I, I said the House bill that's being crafted would probably not be liked by the plaintiffs. <laughs> it. It's going to require the districts to spend down some of their cash reserve, like rainy day fund, and also calls for the Department of Education to enact performance accountability standards and require districts to report those. That is surely anathema to a school district. They don't want any more <laughs> questions about their performance. Well, yeah, I, I think I think a lot of the beef is that it, the the Senate authors and the people who supported this view this as the House stepping into the shoes of district administrators and, and playing administrators <laughs> as opposed to, you know, I guess they would say staying in their lane and either passing it or not passing it and stop messing with the details. Is this going to go to the Supreme Court again? No. Yes, it is. It's never. This okay. is, it's, 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 I, I predict that uh, the governor and the Senate Republicans will will succeed, and this will go what, to her desk. Denegri, since you cover this stuff all the time, yes. uh, the state income tax bill has been passed by the entire legislature. Yes. And it would bring the state tax measure into line with the federal changes, and the governor is likely to veto this, I think, because she says it would keep $500 million from going to the state. Is that your understanding of what's happening? She hasn't actually said she'll veto it, but she's been no, very She said it on television last oh, night, oh, said she, she okay, might very well. Yeah. I just, yeah. I've heard her say she hasn't, she's not sure, but she has not been, she's not spoken no, kindly. What other it. choice would she have if she says it, it keeps the state from $500 million it badly needs? What other choice does she have? Uh, it keeps. The, I, uh, I hate that um, that vernacular because it's not true. It keeps. A, it's this is a this is a bucket of money that's on the her street position. and they know who it belongs to. And the legislature has the choice to give it back to the taxpayers, give it to, to who it belongs to, or put the money in their pockets. And oh. the the moral thing to do is to even <laughs> if she opposes it, let it become law it, without it, a signature. I know it's always going to be fun to talk about Kansas school finance. It's yes. like yes. no other topic we ever had. Well, there once was a time in this country when socialism, part of Karl Marx's plan to impose worldwide communism, was feared. Socialism meant government control of the economy, government control of people's lives. We feared the Soviet Union's goal of exporting communism to other countries, including our own. We fought wars to stop communism in Asia. Fast forward to the present, where some leading political figures are embracing socialist ideas, calling themselves democratic socialists, demanding greater government involvement in education, health care, employment, climate change, and more. They're finding support from younger voters, so-called millennials and Generation Z, who will make up 37% of 2020 voters. A recent Harris poll shows they are more likely to embrace socialistic policies and principles than past generations. Now, is that reason for celebration or for despair? First it goes to Ron, then goes to Mary. Well, I think it's a cause of celebration if you're in the Trump White House. Uh, because you're looking at whether you call it Democrat socialist or national socialist, it's the same agenda. <clears throat> you're looking at how do we get people's resources, control, tell them how to live, and, and here's our, the government command and control. And it's like that sounds good maybe at this point. Like they said, if you're uh, not a liberal in your 20s, you have no heart. If you're not a conservative in your 30s, you have no brain. I think you're going to see a transition by the time we get to 2020 where this is actually going to work on, to the good of the Republicans. Mary, uh, cause for jubilation or cause for concern? Well, I, I am jubilant about the 
uh, let's put it this way. The Democratic Party right now is just bursting with all kinds. Our bench strength was great. How many candidates do we have for president running against Trump? The, the idea that somehow or other, I mean, you're, you imply that, that liberals, you implied, I guess, are all socialists. Socialist, well, socialist. isn't, this isn't about isms. This is a response from young people about the problems they actually face. Uh, it, it, you're right. It, it's, it is not socialism. It, Let's call it for what it is. I mean, uh, this is all spun out of this, That's what they call No, it's spun out of this bizarre obsession that middle-aged <laughs> and older white guys have with AOC. And yeah. it borders oh, wow. on no, 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 it borders no, 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 no. on pathological wow. because they have elevated her and, oh, and made her out to be some sort of you know the leader of the Democratic Party. She is a single member of a 535 member Congress. She's not running the Democratic uh, Party. This is a discussion though about the size and growth of government using metrics that uh, it's really the fact that there are the younger generation is a bunch of little burgeoning socialists is a real yeah. critical <laughs> breakdown of our education system. This has been tried a million times and it fails every time. Even in the countries that people argue that it's wonderful, democratic socialism is working great. Well, these are countries that are managing a decline. European countries are managing are, a decline. That is what socialism is. These are, these are non-conservative <laughs> ideas and, and it, is, it is chicken little talk to say that discussion about these things means the sky's falling. Yeah. No, there's there's, so, there's socialist ideas. That's about my well, yeah, yeah, There's another study just out that half of millennials and Generation Z members would prefer living in a socialist well, society. Here's what, they, here's what, they, mean society. what they mean by that is more government involvement no, in their lives. Here's what they mean by it. Response of the government to the problems that they see in their life. We have we are losing the middle class in this country, and the middle class got a got a. Where are they going? The middle class are going either dropping down or some, in some cases moving up. The middle class depended upon the GI Bill, Social Security, the, Medicare, Medicaid, using, and those programs are not called socialistic by Americans. They're called, well, they are socialistic, sure but they're they called well, American versions. Using the, the income health, as a, health these people have more going to be a really shouldn't big be the measure in of what is a success. The, the poor president. people in the U.S. have cable. They drink Starbucks coffee every day. Oh, they stop have air denigrating oh, poor God. people. I'm no, not, really, I'm not. That's, I'm just, there's a, there's a difference between poor, there's dollars, People do and have television there's, sets. There's, there's, there's dollars, which is what we're talking about. Denise, versus young young people are facing the, poor the most. People um, in America are some of the wealthiest. If we in the give world, two years, ever, the history of the two, world. two more years of public education to people entering the workforce, kids getting out of high school, that is a healthy move It's called Aiden Watson, Missouri. We're doing that I, now. I, I, and right. we yes, already paid yes, for K-12, and, and it's failing. We need to well, let, let Patrick say part, something. Part of what the Democratic Party has to resist is taking the bait from this White House. And the bait from this White House is socialism. The bait from yeah. this White House is all this <laughs> calamitous talk about what's going to happen to the country if the Democrats take over. And the Democratic Party has to resist that and talk about ideas that matter, health care and jobs and education. Well, they are talking about a green. They are talking about a green new deal. Yes. Which would be estimated to cost 93 trillion dollars. The gross national product of the United States, uh, GDP, gross domestic product, is now 23 million dollars. Our debt 
is like $22 trillion. Where would $93 Mark, this trillion is, come from? This is a These programs have to be paid for well, something. Of course they do. And we got to yeah, stop. I mean, we got to stop because of time. <laughs> and now we head to the soapbox. To... That's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> Off to the soapbox for roast Don't and toast, where we have 30 seconds each to scandalize, optimize, or criticize. Well, I'd like for people to pay attention to what the host says when it comes to time limitations. We start with Patrick. So uh, I, I may throw my hip out doing this, but I'm going to toast Roy Blunt for standing up to this president and his bizarre, ill-conceived idea about a national emergency at the southern border. Um, it took some stones to do it. He's taken some hits for doing it, but it was a principled stand, so i got to toast him today. 30 seconds, Mary. I'm going to uh, toast the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. You know, for uh, Republicans have spent millions of dollars uh, trying to denigrate her in, in thousands of different ways. And Nancy Pelosi is, has faced Donald Trump and in her gracious and disciplined way kept the Democratic uh, members of Congress, all of which are experiencing being in the majority for, for you know, it's been a while, and doing it with real strength and intelligence and, and verve. And boy, she she is sticking to it. And thank God for Senate Republicans who are now supporting her. <laughs> Time's up, Denise. Very quickly, I want to uh, reserve this toast to the Kansas Senate Commerce <clears throat> Committee, who just this morning um, passed or forwarded a recommendation not to approve uh, David Tolan as Senate Commerce Secretary. Um, uh, Laura Kelly's nominee. He presided over the economic development of Allen County, where uh, government spending, government employment went up by 5.8%. Private sector growth went down by 4.4%. That's the job he would be tasked to do at the state, and he doesn't look like he's up to the task. Ron. Well, I'm going to toast a brief toast, Mike. I think you need that right Thank now. Thank you. Uh, the Grandview Bulldog basketball team won their second consecutive state championship in the Class 4, and Coach Morris and the guys are doing quite well. Here, you'll love this, Patrick. Finally, political scientists have no problems defining liberal or conservative, but struggle defining moderate. Thankfully, we have Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to fill us in. I mean, moderate is not a stance. It's just an attitude toward life of, like, like, hmm, no doubt that should give us sufficient clarity. You're making my case. And that's Ruckus for this week. Back next Thursday at 7. Now for the Ruckets and the crew and everybody talking at once. Mike Shannon saying thanks for watching all together. Good night and good night. <laughs>